So Jesus, after just giving this first parable of the parable of the sower, he's going to tell us another parable, which is a shorter one. It's just a little word picture almost. But remember, when Jesus was describing those four soils, remember what he was describing. He was saying, how does the word, the seed, land on these different types of soils? First, he talked about the hardened heart, one that is obstinate or even uninterested in the gospel. Then there's the shallow heart, the one that is emotionally attracted to the gospel, but when hardship comes, they lose interest. And then there's that infested heart that we talked about, one consumed with cultural issues, with other things other than God's word. But then he draws out that fourth heart, describing a noble heart. Nobility is honesty and goodness colliding with the beauty of the gospel. To ground a person into the fold of God. Nobility is honesty and goodness colliding with the beauty of the gospel. It's a beautiful picture, but Jesus said so many people are going to hear this message and just take it as a story on the surface. But blessed are you because your eyes have been opened, because they do see, because your ears do hear. And it's with that, it's with that we ask, so then, if we have been blessed, if the church has been blessed to have hearts that are walking by grace in nobility, what does it mean for us? Well, Jesus begins to explain here that it means that our new nature, our new disposition is to tell others about what has happened to us, or to tell others about the light that is in us for their benefit. Notice that closing phrase, so that those who come may see its light. It's important, that's a little important phrase to catch there. Because a lot of the times in our day and age, where all of our faith is so individualized, that we often are shunned in thinking that it would be to someone's benefit for us to share our faith. But Matthew's gospel, it says on, in chapter 5, he says, you are the light of the world. You are a city situated on a hill that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and puts it under the basket. Same kind of picture. But rather on a lampstand and gives light for all those who are in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others. Same thing. So that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. Our new nature, as disciples, as people following Jesus, is to tell others about the gospel and to reveal the word so that others may see and be drawn towards Christ. Meaning that God uses us as the light to reveal the light to expose what's in the darkness. That's kind of astounding. <laughs> so that people would see our, our works 
and be drawn towards Christ. The light is us. And yet, despite all of the good news that we experience with that, all of the comfort that we experience and the responsibility we're given for it, it's super difficult. I think we can all attest that it is difficult. Some has, have this amazing gift of being able to say, they've talked to anyone about their faith. But for the rest of us, it can be super hard. We live in a you-do-you culture, in a YOLO type of culture. You only live once. So don't tell me or impress upon me what is important in my life. And yet, as we're constantly confronted with that, with that kind of cultural uh, refusal of our faith, Jesus says, let your light shine. Share the gospel anyway. You are the light. Let your light shine. And I find myself, this can be tough. This can be tough to do, especially when I'm getting a haircut. When I'm getting a haircut, I feel very vulnerable now at these moments. Once I was getting, and this is why, I'm going to tell you right now. This is why. One time I was getting a haircut from a lady. She was cutting my hair and we were making small talk. And I'm sitting there and I look down and I notice the book that she's reading. She's reading The Exorcist. And I'm thinking to myself, who reads The Exorcist out of leisure, like on their break? Why would, you, why would you do that? But I'm looking back at her. I'm trying not to get distracted by that. And then she asks me the question, so what do you do for a living? And I'm like, well, I'm a pastor. And I'm looking in the window. And I'm looking down at the book. And I'm looking at her. I'm looking down at the book. I'm looking at her. And she's looking at me with the clippers. And she's looking at the clippers. And she's looking at me. And then she did this thing. Like, like as if I've, I've done something to offend her. And then, you know, the, the rest of the haircut went really fast. Record time. And instead of her kind of like cutting my hair this way, it started to do like this. And I went, and after that afternoon, I was supposed to be preaching in, in our, one of our recordings that we were still doing. So I get to the office, and I come to Andrew, and I'm like, Andrew how does the back of my head look? And he shows me, he's like, oh, it looks cool, Mark. They made like three stripes on the back of your head. And he's like, what, what happened? I said, I told my hairdresser I was a pastor. And he goes, oh, that's happened to me too. <laughs> I was like, great, great. But let me, when I left, when I left that having an insecurity, about what the back of my head looked like. I also had another type of insecurity. Because when I left, I knew it wasn't going to look good on the back of my head. But as I'm walking out, I'm thinking, it's just a haircut. Mark, you're not really suffering for the Lord. You know, it's just a bad haircut. There are missionaries all over the world being persecuted, Mark. I know that. But then the other side of me says, yes, but I still don't want a bad haircut. Maybe, maybe next time I just won't say anything. You see what happened there? Maybe next time I won't share. Did I even say anything at all? Did I even 
explain the hope that is within me? I just said I was a pastor and just met with some resistance. I'm already feeling an insecurity that I shouldn't be sharing anything anymore. In fact, maybe what I would do to self-justify myself of not talking is I'll just be really nice next time. I'll just be a good person and talk to her and maybe she'll see the hope that is within me, the light reflected by just being kind. I'll pull a Francis of Assisi, right? Share the gospel always, but use words when necessary. We can be so tempted and so easily brought into the spiritual warfare of deception when we begin to convince ourselves that because we've been met with resistance, it's okay not to share. I love what the missiologist David Bach says in response to that of when necessary, use words. He says, of course words are necessary. Good unexplained deeds in themselves do not constitute the mission of God's people. Unexplained deeds in themselves do not constitute the mission of God's people. Regardless of what happens, regardless of the timid feelings or the insecurity I have about sharing my faith, Jesus makes it clear, genuine faith is visible. Genuine faith is visible. People need to see it. Word and deed come together. They come together walking in obedience to our position as disciples is to be a light to our neighbors for their benefit. And when I leave with a bad haircut and I'm walking out and I tell myself, maybe next time I won't say anything, I'm taking my lamp and I'm putting it under the bed. I do not want to reveal what is in the darkness. I don't want to reveal anything putting my lamp under the bed so that my light will only be shining for me. Light reveals what's concealed in the darkness. So how do we do this then? We want to be a people who are going out and being a light to our neighbors. So how do we do it? Well, Jesus tells us simply. He gives us two ways. To be the light in the word, to see the word in action is to hear and do. So let's unpack hearing the word together in verse 18. Let's talk through that. Verse 18, hearing the word. Therefore, take care how you listen. For whoever has, more will be given to him. And whoever does not have, even what he thinks he has will be taken away from him. So what is Jesus saying here? Jesus is saying, the more of God's word we hear, the more of it we receive. But the more we neglect God's word, the more of it we lose. Let me rephrase, let me say that one more time. The more of God's word we hear, the more of it we receive. But the more we neglect God's word, the more we lose. There may be a rare person 
who can hear a verse and instantly memorize it and keep it in their heart and draw on that in any time of need. But for the rest of us, listening to God's word has to be a daily ritual for spiritual replenishment. We need the word like we need food. We got to take it in. We got to get it in daily. The blessing that Jesus tells us here is that our understanding of the word will grow with our intake of the word and our desire to be in the word will grow as well. As one pastor said, the more we develop an appetite for scripture, the more we hunger for it. But on the contrary, the less we have, the more we lose. When the Bible is not in us, it will not come out of us. This verse is such a good explanation of spiritual dryness. You've probably experienced this scenario. When you have a quiet time, you're with the Lord, it's amazing. Everything's connecting, you're reading your Bible. It's like the words are just speaking life into you. And you get up and you, you move throughout that day. You're feeling close to the Lord. You're walking. You're thinking through how is every decision I'm going to make impact the gospel. It's no longer every, every decision is no longer just about myself. It's being in communion with the Lord because of this passage I read this morning. I got to tell people about it. But then the next day, you wake up late. But you're still running on the fumes from the la yesterday's devotion, yesterday's quiet time. So you're coming into work and you're going to say, I'm still living for the Lord. Man, that yesterday's quiet time was really good. Yesterday's devotion, that was really good. I didn't get time this week, but I'll, I'll hit it tomorrow. Then you have the next day come and you're running late again. But this time, because you've skipped the last two days, now you want to read again. But now you've got this tinge of guilt kind of going on. And you don't have that much time. So when you read fast, there's less time for it to marinate within you. And this pattern of what once was this moment of hearing the word, this intentional time, becomes a now a progressing habit away from hearing, and then suddenly you're left with reading the Bible with impatience, reading it with frustration because you don't understand, and then you're left asking, where am I and what had happened? You're no longer hearing the word. You're no longer hearing it. Jeremiah 17 verse 10 says, I, the Lord, examine the mind. I test the heart to give to each according to his way, according to what his actions deserve. It's important for us to hear it. Because perhaps you are trapped right now in that moment. You're looking back and saying, what happened? It seemed gradual at first, and then suddenly, I'm in this moment of spiritual dryness. 
So if, if you're wondering, if you feel like you're in that place and you're asking yourself, well, how do I get it back? First, know that you're not alone because that happens to everybody. But second, rest in the promise of the first half of this verse. If you start watering the dry parts of your heart, you'll want more. The promise that Jesus gives us is the more of God's word we hear, the more of it we receive. As we start watering those dry parts, you're going to start to know the other, start to recognize the other patches in your heart that need watering. And soon you're going to be looking at your heart. You're going to be gaining that sensitivity again that you once had to the word. The word is in action and is now moving in you and you are being sensitized again to these poor habits that you've been making and to the movements of grace of God in your life. Get rooted in the gospel. The scriptures, if they are saturated in you, the more of them you'll get out. And the easier it will become next time. Which leads me to say, genuine faith is formational. To hear the word is to be formed by the word. And this was, this was Paul's letter to Ephesians. Ephesians 3, he says, I pray that he may grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with power in your inner being through the spirit, and that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Christ dwells in us when we dwell in the scriptures. You hear that, church? Christ dwells in us when we dwell in the scriptures. Now, as we begin hearing the word regularly, as we get rooted in the gospel, our desires, our loves, and our actions formate to Jesus. They become formed to Jesus. I no longer want to do what I was once doing. And now I am strengthened because I can actually see the difference. I can see what is moving towards the darkness and I can move towards the light. Because the word is spiritually forming me. Spiritual formation moves always into active obedience. That is what we mean by doing the word. That's what Jesus means by doing the word. So let's read together because Jesus then, as he's explaining this, he kind of turns things a bit because the situation happens. He gets interrupted in his teaching because his mom and his brothers want to see him. Let's read verses 19 through 21 together. Then his mother and brothers came to him, but they could not meet with him because of the crowd. He was told, your mother and brothers are standing outside wanting to see you. But he replied to them, my mother and brothers are those who hear and do the word. Now, sounds like Jesus is being kind of mean to his mom. Let's just be, let's get that on the table. There's some responses that Jesus gives to us that we're like, ah, I think my mom would be upset at me if I said that to her. 
Jesus' response is surprising. It's surprising and it's a little confusing if we take it at just the face value that he doesn't want to see us sin. It sounds like he doesn't, but Jesus is doing something deeper here. He is connecting the dots for us as we consider who we are to live out our faith with. Active obedience is not meant to stand alone, but be accompanied in the context of community. This is why we need to fight against the mantra that people can love Jesus and not the church. Because active obedience is meant to be living in the context of community. The more we obey God's word, the more we long for fellowship with others who are doing the same. The more we want to be with the people who are having daily victories in their faith of things that we struggle with. The more we draw close to God's word, the more we want to do it with those around us. Essentially, the word creates family. Jesus is not disrespecting families or parenthood when he says that these people are his mothers and brothers. But he's teaching us that when the word is in action, faith families are formed and are recognized for their good works and their testimony. This family, this faith family is meant to be stronger than our familial ties with unbelieving family members because we have the spirit of Jesus moving within us. We have the Holy Spirit causing us to walk in obedience with Christ. In fact, Paul, he even says that we're, we're not even just a faith family. We're actually, consider it going even deeper. We're one body. Considering it one body together. In Romans 12, he begins to show how each person is like a body part that is vulnerable and complementary to the body as a whole. Contributing to the body, to the function of the body for its benefit and for its blessing. Romans 12, 3, 5 says, For by the grace given to me, I tell everyone among you to think of himself, to think of himself, not to think of himself more highly as he should think. Instead, think sensibly as God has distributed a measure of faith to each one. A measure of faith to each one, that has significance because it means each of our faith is going to encourage one another and grow one another in the context of community. Verse 4, now as we have many parts in one body and all the parts do not have the same function, in the same way we who are many in one body in Christ are individually members of one another. I love this phrase that uh, Kim, our communications director, Kim Arthur, she started saying this phrase to me all the time, which was one anothering. And at first, I'll be honest, I wasn't quite sure what that meant. Like, I'm one anothering 
each other. Where, what, do we, what do we want another ring? What do we want another ring? But she was wise. She had wisdom here. One anothering is when the body of Christ is moving in harmony with itself. When the body of Christ is not out of alignment, but the, the body of Christ is in harmony, walking together, loving one another, lifting each other up, one anothering. It is not a, enough for a church to be only hearing without any kind of action. Because genuine faith, in order for genuine faith to be formational, it must be tangible. It must be felt. It must be seen. It must, be, it must have tangible nature to it. Active obedience is word and deed, hearing and doing. It must be lived out to be experienced as life. That's what the local church is to be. The family of God united by obedience to the word. Despite all of our insecurities, despite the resistance that we could be feeling, we need to recognize that the body together, the church moving together is going to keep one another and recognizing the communities and messages around us that try to sway us from our identities as God people, as God's people. If our allegiance is to anything other than Jesus, lived out in the body of Christ, we are trying to live as a transplanted body part. We're trying to live in a different thing that we're not meant to be in. This is, that, this is the danger of all of these. Let's just take the fitness culture, just kind of the fitness industry as an example of this. Before, in, in the past, there was a big emphasis on an individual kind of sense of building yourself up, kind of, you know, doing all your, getting fit for, for yourself. But then there's this really interesting study from Harvard that showed that people, when they are joining gyms or joining clubs or joining all these different fitness movements, the, the biggest reason that people were joining them was their lack of community in their lives. So they're going to find community rather than going to their church. These are, sorry, I, I meant to say these are professing Christians who would call themselves believers but say they don't want to be a part of the church, so they're going to go find community. We all need community. We all need it. And there are other places that would say, welcome, we'll take you. And you don't have to talk about your faith. We can be nice to everybody. We can share good deeds. And we can keep our personal convictions to ourselves. Friends, when we do that, when we are not sharing the gospel and revealing his light, I'm not saying it's bad to, do, to, to join gyms or do anything. Go do them. Tell them who you really are. That's all I'm saying. Is be honest. Tell them who you really are so that 
Jesus can surprise you, and they will be benefited. Remember, and friends, the more of God's word that you receive, the more of it you take in, the more of it you're going to want. So when you go to that gym, when you go to that community, when you go to whatever that is, if the Bible's in you, it's going to come out of you. That's what having the light in dark places does. That's when our communities become missional. Because the light is going to the dark places. And we're not going alone. We're going together. The gospel is saturating different places and becoming a tangible reflection of Jesus. That's when it gets really exciting. When God's people are living out their faith as the body of Christ. Not trying to be a transplanted body part, but being in unity together. God has made us one body in the local church to testify our faith together. But if left to our own devices, we would be lost. Because church history is filled, and this is our second warning, church history is filled with churches out of alignment constantly. Some overly focused on hearing, some overly focused on doing, some doing nothing in between. So how then can we be faithful to Jesus? By reminding each other that spiritual formation is active obedience. Friends, see the word in action. Hear the word. So the more that you take in, the more of it you receive. Then don't just stop there. Go and do the word so that your light will shine in the darkness and reveal what's been hidden. And as we join together in the church, we're doing it together. As Christ's church. Let's pray.